Hello, my name is Lance Davis, and I'm the Executive Minister of Developed Leaders and Ordered Ministry of the ECC. Part of my role is to make sure that we resource pastors and affirm them in their role and to make pastors more resilient, to serve the constituency, to serve the churches of the ECC. And it's been a tremendous blessing as I've walked into this role, being able to do what I believe I've been gifted to do. The Lord has called me specifically to look after the souls of our women and men who serve the kingdom of God. And so it brings me such honor to be able to talk about and to preach on um, our sermon series on the Blazing Center. And specifically, I'll be talking about the Holy Spirit connects. And so our scripture today is going to talk a little bit about how does the Holy Spirit indeed connect us all? We know we live in a fallen world, a world that seems as though we're more disconnected and the issues are more polarized than ever. Uh, but we as the body of believers are supposed to be different than the world. We're called to be different. And so I want to talk about being called to be connected. We are people who are called to be connected. We are not supposed to have church in our living rooms and our living rooms only. We've been called to be connected to one another and to brothers and sisters so that we might be able to reflect the mosaic and the kingdom of God in the way that he has called us. And so I want to talk about uh, out of this scripture, out of Acts chapter 2, um, in verse 1, I'm going to go a few verses, but then I'd like to uh, elaborate on a few things that pop up in these verses. So again, keep in your mind, we're called to be connected because the Holy Spirit does the connecting. In verse 1 of chapter 2, uh, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all men of Galilee? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Brothers and sisters, in looking at this scripture, we find that there is a multi-ethnic phenomenon that takes place. We find that there are devout Jews from all over the known world, uh, as the scripture says, from all under heaven that came from everywhere um, in order to engage in their Judaic tradition. But while they were all together, we find that they experienced something, that there was a group of Galileans, a group of probably unlearned men who began to start speaking in the language of those persons who were visiting at the time. And it's interesting that these persons who were speaking in these other tongues, they were not just 
gibberish or uh, glossolalia, as some might call it, uh, they were engaged in a conversation where every person was able to hear the wondrous works of God. I'd like to pause to say that that's exactly what we've been called to do. We practice so much bad news and all of the things that disrupt our lives, but we've been called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that each one of these people were coming from a context, coming from a place where life wasn't that easy. Well, in Palestine, life was not that easy. Traveling to get to Palestine wasn't that easy. And the places where they came from had problems. That's one thing that's not new. Problems have been around since the very beginning. But notice that what they hear is about the wondrous works of the Lord. We don't know if those were past wondrous works, if they were present wondrous works. We just know that what they heard being uh, spoken in their own language was the wondrous works of God. And they asked themselves, what does this mean? In other words, all of us are hearing these unlearned men speak in our own language the wondrous works of God. Now, I would imagine that the wondrous works of God that was taking place in Phrygia would be totally different than those who are experienced, uh, those that are experienced by the Medes, but we find that all of them concluded that no matter what they heard, they were hearing of the wondrous works of God. This excites me, fascinates me, that out of all that they could have heard, they heard the wondrous works of God. And they asked the question, what does this mean? What does this miraculous episode, what does, what does this phenomenon mean to us? Well, as the scripture goes on, it says, some however made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. That's the way it goes. When we hear the wondrous works of God, when we hear of what great things God has done, and you're probably reflecting on some of the great things that God has done for your life, uh, past and present, and what you're looking for the Lord to do in your life. These wondrous works could just be the fact that he gives us uh, magnificent and beautiful things to behold. Uh, great weather sometimes, but even the snow brings a tremendous amount of beauty to it. No matter what, they heard of the wondrous works of God. And I wanna to proclaim to you that the beginning of us recognizing that God has called us together through his Holy Spirit allows for us to see that God is calling us into a walk in a phenomenon of good news. He's calling us to be the beloved community. And the beloved community is in community together. Verse 14 says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jer Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will have dreams. Even on my servants and both the women and men, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
God here is speaking to our hearts and saying that as he will then at a date, at a later time, he will begin to call all of his people to himself. We find that there's going to be women and men who will prophesy. They'll be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. What they had on the day of Pentecost was really just a snippet, just a small sample of what was going to come in the future. And as this, uh, this is unfolding, this prophecy of Joel is unfolding, it says, and even on my servants and both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The pouring out is liberally. The pouring out is not sparingly. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit obviously is something that God wants to give in full supply so that no one walks around short on the, on the Holy Spirit, that they are in full supply of what God will supply that I believe will be the mechanism that draws us all together. I believe that that, the Holy Spirit himself, is the one indeed who brings us together, who merges us, who congeals us, who allows for us to experience life in community together. I would like to pause and say that I think it's impossible to live in community together without the Holy Spirit. For all of these people that we see in this particular chapter were from every walk of life. Later on, we'll see that they were engaged in fellowship. Later on, we'll see that they gave themselves to not only the apostles' doctrine, but also engaged in going from house to house and ingratiating one another and embracing each other. As I continue on, I want to conclude this particular portion by saying that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is this proclamation, it is, it's the prophecy of the sons and daughters who are talking about and preaching the word of God, who, whatever it is that they say, whatever it is that they're proclaiming, is going to cause a reaction of those who hear in faith, and they will call on the name of the Lord. Now, Hebrews 11 and 6 remind us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For those who come to him must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I, I believe that this is indeed one of those opportunities where people hear the word. They've already wondered about God. They've already asked themselves, who is he? Who is it who is doing this work? Who is it who has created all things that we know? And the answer comes, when someone preaches the gospel, when someone preaches the good news, someone all of a sudden is moved by the Holy Spirit to state his name is Jesus. He came, died, resurrected on the third day, and now through the power of the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in each one of us. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved, Susel. Uh, also, the base of the word SOS or SOS. Find it quite interesting that SOS is, uh, is another way, is the Greek form of saved, to be saved, to be rescued, to be delivered, to be healed, to be made whole, whole, SOS. Now, I don't believe that Samuel Morris, who created the Morse code, uh, maybe had this Greek on his mind. Maybe he didn't. 
As a matter of fact, from what I understand, SOS is not even an acronym of SOS. It was actually just a, a, a word that was spoken in, in uh, urgency or a, a mayday. It was a, 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 an expression to be able to communicate to the folks who were on the receiving end that we are in distress. Beloved, we are in distress. We live in distressed times. We're always going through the challenges of life, but our SOS is calling on the name of the Lord. It's a part of what connects us, that we're all different in our challenges, different in our, our complicated lives and the things that stress us out. But what is common to us is that we've all called on the name of the Lord and we are indeed saved. The scripture goes on to say, fellow Israelites, listen to uh, this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. And as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Those who call on the name of the Lord, death will not be able to keep a hold of you, that we escape death as we know it when we call upon the name of the Lord. But as we hurry through this particular passage of scripture, um, I'm always celebrating what I find in these words when uh, Peter finishes his sermon and as he's uh, about to complete uh, his sermon, he ends up with these statements, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried as he references what David had said uh, about the Lord in his previous statement, that he was dead and buried and his tomb is here to this day, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. That's Jesus Christ. And seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear here. Yes, that Holy Spirit that was poured out on that day of Pentecost that made men proclaim the good works of God in the language of other people, in language that they were not even familiar with, they were able to speak under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, the glorious works of God. And when they did so, the men asked the question, what does this mean? But after Peter spoke and preached, they proclaimed and asked the question, Brothers, what shall we do? You see, because Peter had just said, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, what do we do? The question for us today is we are in a fragmented society. Uh, there is a calamity on every end. Our answer, is the same as Peter's. When we ask, what well shall we do? Knowing that this Christ has been raised from the dead, 
knowing that this Christ died on our behalf, knowing that Christ died that we might never see death and taste death, knowing this, what shall we do? Peter responded, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift and the Spirit of God is present with us when we receive this gift. This gift that you receive and I receive is really the connecting power. It is the thing, it is the presence of God that brings us together and makes us one. We're not brought together by the things that societally puts us together. We're not even brought together by culture, for there were various cultures that were present here. We're brought together only and specifically by the power of the Holy Spirit. The scripture goes on to say, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. I believe that in his calling, he has made it possible so that you and I might be able to call on him and in our calling on him, we then are drawn together as we are drawn to him. It is not just the vertical beam of the cross that connects us with God, but it's also the horizontal beam that connects us with each other. This is a calling. This calling is the call that called all of these folks to come and listen to the message of our beloved brother Peter. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them and save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the, their number that day. 3,000 souls responded to the gospel as Peter preached it. Yes, there is a call from God and that call is a call to repentance. That call is a call to baptism. But first, it's a call to trust in him as Lord and Savior. Secondly, he cares for us. You know, God knows exactly where we are. He knows what we're going through. He cares for us. We live in a world where people say they care about us, but, you know, it lasts a little while. Sometimes it lasts a long while. But do they really care about us the way the Lord cares about us? He cares about us when we're good and when we're not so good. He cares about us and loves us unconditionally. And not only does he cause us and cares for us, but he also cautions us. Remember, the scripture says that, and Peter cautioned them and warned them with many other words, saying, save yourself from this perverse generation. In other words, there were a lot of things that were going on, probably culturally, society, but he was saying, this is not your focus. Our focus is on him who is able to keep us from falling. Our focus is on him who has called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. And then finally, he connects us. He connects us because these 3,000 people who didn't come from the same background, who didn't have the same upbringing, who didn't even live in the same region, but they all responded to the same message. And as they responded, they then opened their hearts up to Christ. As I prepare to close, I, I just look at this passage that says that in light of them coming together to call on the name of the Lord, them coming together, being baptized and repenting, that they devoted themselves to, to each other and to the fellowship and to the doctrine of the apostles. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to staying in the word and staying with each other. 
I always look at this uh, possibility where uh, we as the beloved of Jesus Christ uh, are like a garment. As a matter of fact, I took this from my wife and I hope no one tells her, but she knits. And as she was knitting, I looked at a ball of yarn and I also looked at the garment which she was knitting. And I realized that without Christ, this is what we are. We're yarn. We're individuals. We're known for whatever color or what kind of texture that we have uh, as yarn. But then God, through the Holy Spirit, actually begins to weave us and mold us into something that the scripture uh, would refer to um, in, um, in Hebrews as we uh, have faith in him, as we grow in him, as we love him and honor him, that he is fitly joining us together, as the scripture would say. And, and as he is joining us together, we make a garment of Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, well, we are only becoming unraveled. We're only becoming uh, individuals again. He's the one through the Holy Spirit who knits us together, who fits us together, who joins us together. Um, I'd like to close by this other analogy that speaks to just plastic. Imagine yourself to be this conservationalist and, um, and you're avid, you're, you're, you're dogmatic about it and, and you just take every single bottle and you, and you make sure it's recycled. Well, you, find the container to to recycle and then you go to the community and you start recycling from there and people begin to know you as a recycler they know you as a as a a staunch conservationist and only to find out after throwing away thousands hundreds of thousands of bottles for years to find out that every bottle that you threw away couldn't be used that as we shipped it away to be recycled, it was shipped back to our nation because it was contaminated, because anyone who throws away a bottle for the sake of recycling has to realize that you can't keep the top on it. And not only that, you have to make sure that this little tab that comes on the bottle is also removed if you're going to be a true conservationist. And and then this packaging needs to come off, then you can recycle it. Outside of that, it's no good. We talk about we want to live together. We talk about we want to worship and serve together. But I want you to know, just like a contaminated bottle, it won't work without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connects us. The Holy Spirit connects human beings. It connects the churches. It connects us collectively as believers. God has been so faithful in his word, and he's been so faithful to us. We don't want to become an unraveling garment thinking that we can handle challenges and and tribulations and and trials without the Holy Spirit. We'll just become unraveled and we'll become individualistic again. God has called us to become the collect of God, the gathering of God. He's called us to be his children and he connects us. He joins us together. He fits us together neatly strategically, just as a garment, just as a knitted garment. We are knitted together by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connects. I'm Lance Davis. I thank God for each and every one of you, and I'd like to pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to just share a little bit about your word that brings us together as brothers and sisters. Father, I pray that you connect us even more. Allow for us to know that the connecting power is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Lead us and guide us in the days to come and help us to focus on your son Jesus so that as we have received him, we allow for his powerful spirit to work in us to join us closer together as brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.